We've been on this series called Imaginia, and it's about how God can take our imagination and do something great. It's the word that we've had all year, hope and imagination. And, and this morning, uh, I want to I talk from, a, it's, it's, it's a continuum of, of this whole series, but I want to talk from a word. I had a whole message prepared out, and then Wednesday night happened. And what happened on Wednesday night was I went home, we had this great meeting, I went home, and then just began, a, was supposed to be sleeping, but then was up from 2.30 to 6 a.m. in the morning, just praying, just enjoying, just worshiping, just experiencing the presence of God. And right then, something began to birth in me. And so I guess what I'm trying to say is it's like one of those things when you step on the plane and they tell you where they're landing, but I sort of don't know where we're landing today. That's the honest truth. I, I do not know where we're landing. So uh, if you've got plans, just maybe push it a bit, bit ahead or whatever. But I'm not sure where we're landing. But let's see what God does. Check out. I want to read a passage of Scripture. Amos chapter 3, verse 7. You know when they're going to read from the book of Amos, it's going to be deep. Amos chapter 3, verse 7. It says, Surely the Lord God does nothing unless He reveals His secrets to His servants, the prophets. Unless he reveals a secret to his servants, the prophets. Now I want to read from 2 Kings chapter 4. Very popular scripture, but I believe you're going to see it in a new light. 2 Kings chapter 4 verse 1. This is what it says. A certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha saying, Your servant, my husband is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord and the creditors is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. So Elisha said to her, What shall I do for you? Tell me. What do you have in your house? Elisha asked. And she said, Your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. Then he said, Go borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors, empty vessels. Do not gather just a few. And when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons. Then pour it into all those vessels and set aside the full ones. Verse 5, so she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons who brought the vessels to her and she poured it out. Now it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said to her son, bring me another vessel. This is probably one of the most saddest scriptures in the Bible. And he said to her, there is not another vessel. So the oil ceased. Then she came and told the man of God and he said, go sell the oil. And pay your debt, and you and your sons live on the rest. I want to talk to you this morning from the topic of fuel for my vision. Fuel for my, talking about oil, fuel for my vision. You're like, what vision? Your vision? No, no, I'm, I'm trying to make it personable for your vision. We've been talking about this whole thing is about vision season, isn't it? And, and we've been establishing this truth of how when, when, there's, when there's vision, people thrive. And, 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 but how many of you know that even you can have vision, but still there are times when you lose vision. There are times when the vision gets delayed. There are times when the vision feels discouraging. There are times when the vision feels impossible. And so I want to talk to you from the topic of fuel for my vision. If there's one thing that I constantly hear people ask is how do I fill people with vision? And one of the things that happen in a place of vision or in times of vision is being demotivated. I'm sure every person in this room has experienced that place of being demotivated 
Or maybe you're right now demotivated. You can be demotivated when it comes to work. You can be demotivated when it comes to a career. You can be demotivated when it comes to studies. You can be demotivated when it comes to relationships or marriage. You can be demotivated because you're not in a relationship. You can be demotivated because you are in a relationship. We can have all sorts of a sense of demotivation. If you're leading something, demotivation will be your friend. If you're leading a department, if you're leading a team, if you're leading anything, if you're leading yourself, which I think we're all called to do, you will have a sense of demotivation. I, come, I constantly have people coming to me as you're leading, as I lead a church, I just need a little more. Can, I, can you share a little more detail just so that I can get a little more of vision? That's one of the constant things that I hear. I just want to hear that one more time, just so that I can hear some more vision, so I can get some more vision. In 2 Kings chapter 4, we find a lady who is demotivated. I mean, that's an understatement. She's more than demotivated. Well, let's stop there. Let's find common ground. Who's demotivated? She's at her lowest place. The Bible says that creditors are at her doorstep. The bank's at her doorstep. To the point that she's about to sell her children into slavery. Talk about how painful that is. And, 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 and as we dive into the story, we, a lot of times we get caught up with the lack. We, just, we get caught up with the debt. We get caught up with the need, but we forget one detail because it actually starts with the fact in 2 Kings chapter 4 verse 1 that her husband was a prophet. Her husband was a prophet. So we have the death of a prophet which leads to a place of demotivation. We've got the death of a prophet which leads to a place of, so we've got the vision caster who is dead. We've got the priest of the house who is dead. We've got the provider, the provision that is dead. For some of us, it's not necessarily that the prophet has died, but for some of us, it's perhaps the prophetic word is dry. For some of us, it's not necessarily that has been the physical death of something, but it's perhaps a dream that's become dead. For some of us, it might be old age. I'm too old and I'm not sure how these prophetic words are coming to pass. And I got this word in 1972 and nothing's really happened and all my health has deteriorated. It might be old age. It might be the fact that you're too old. It might be the fact that you're young. It might be the fact that you missed the train. It might be the fact that you never saw the train. I'm not sure where we sort of stand on this paradigm of 2 Kings chapter 4. But I think in many ways we've experienced some form of death just like this lady. The death of a prophet, the death of the vision caster, the death of the person that would, the very presence of that person would permeate the home with life. The very presence of that father would bring a sense of confidence among the boys. What do you do when the source, when the inspiration of your vision, when the inspiration of your dream is dead? And that's what happens in 2 Kings chapter 4. And so she finds when, the, when her own personal prophet is dead, when her own personal word person is dead, when her own vision provider is dead, she finds prophet Elisha and she goes to him. Now, whenever there's a death in the family, whenever somebody has lost something, whenever there's, there's some sort of a crisis, we, the, the, we have a natural bearings of how the instruction should go. In fact, verse 2, it says, So Elisha said to her, What shall I do for you? Tell me. What do you have in your house? I want you to notice how Elisha's response is intertwined. He says, What shall I? Whenever someone comes to you and they're struggling, 
and you say the words, what shall I do for you? The first thing, the first thing response you get in your head is, okay, what am I going to do? But he says, what shall I do with you? What shall I do for you? And then he goes, what's in your house? Which is uncommon because if someone's dead, the first thing you ask is, is there any family supporting you? I'm sure there's a funding somewhere that can be there for you. I'm sure there's a training. Oh, you're stuck in a career. I'm sure there's a training course out there for you. Uh, you know what I'm saying? We all have the practical pathway of trying to fix a situation. Uh, I'm sure there's, 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 there's maybe, maybe what you need is a holiday. You're feeling demotivated. You're feeling a lack of vision. You're feeling something is absent. Maybe what you need is a bit of rest. Maybe what you need is a, uh, you know, we all, have, we've, got the, we've got those things that work for us that we sometimes project at people that we think would work for them. But what I like about Elisha is Elisha said to her, what do you have in your house? What do you have in your house? See, when my vision tank is low, let me tell you about myself. When my vision tank is low, a lot of times I look for inspiration. It might be a book. It might be counsel. Not more than me, counsel. It might be counsel, friends. You've got to make sure you say the right way. <laughs> There's no motivation there. <laughs> might, actually, there has been a lot of motivation, praise God, when it comes to the building. It might be counsel from friends. It might be friendships. You know, For some of us, our motivation is Instagram. It's like, I know I'm doing bad, but let me see how they're doing. So then if their life is not, if their day has not been great, if they're not posting anything on their story, then maybe my day is not that bad. You know what I'm saying? Like we have different sources of motivation. We have different sources of things that help us. And, uh, but the prophet says, he says these words. He says, what do you have? And she says, a little bit of oil. A little bit of oil. Verse 3. Then he said, go borrow vessels from everywhere. From all your neighbors, empty vessels, do not gather just a few. But when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons. Then pour it into all these vessels and set aside the full ones. He gives her these specific instructions of going and pouring these oils, of going and borrowing all these cups and all these all, all, all these containers. And I begin. I begin. I want to share with you how this message was birthed. So Wednesday night I was in worship and I was praying and I put on a worship video on YouTube and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, you know how sometimes videos just randomly play and all of a sudden a video of mine from 10 years ago in Europe plays. I'm looking, you know, different, <laughs> hair's a lot darker, uh, a bit leaner. And, uh, and I'm, 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 I don't even want to watch the video. I don't even want to watch the video. But as it plays, I keep listening. And I've got this message going and there's the interpreters interpreting for me in a different language. And I'm saying this and he's saying that and he's saying this and this. But as I was listening to it, let me tell you, church, I'm not exaggerating, but the presence of God descended into my lounge. The presence of God came into my lounge. Begin to fill the place. Begin to fill the room. I begin to sense the anointing. I begin to sense the presence of God. I begin to literally sense a cloud coming into my room. And it was powerful, but it confused me. It confused me because the 10-year younger version of me is ministering to me. So I was really perplexed because I'm literally, I'm not, I'm not even exaggerating. 
I'm literally sensing this download from heaven. I'm literally sensing the power of God. I'm literally sensing the presence of God. I mean, I'm being caught up in this. And the whole time I'm feeling awkward because I can hear a version of me preach. And, and this is so perplexing because I'm just like, God, this is amazing. This is awesome. I haven't experienced this in a while. But I'm, let me tell you, I'm sensing the power. I'm sensing the presence I'm sensing the, the Spirit of God. I'm sensing this overwhelming sense began to pour on me and it began to come forth on me. And I just said, what is going on? And I began to suddenly realize that I was pouring my own oil. That I was pouring, the oil was 10 years old, but I was pouring my own oil. Now you might say you had a YouTube video, but I want to ask you, what's in your cup? Is there oil? Is there residue oil in there that maybe if you start pouring out, it begins to permeate the room? Is there something within you that, that as you begin to pour forth, that begins to increase, that begins to multiply? Because I want you to notice the instruction the prophet gives her. The prophet gives her the instruction, go into your house, get the oil. And then he says these words, shut the door. And, and I begin to wonder, why does he say these, those words? Because I think a lot of times the reason why we struggle to pour what is within us out is because we are unwilling to shut what is behind us. See, the prophet said, before you shut the door, see, the miraculous did not happen unless the lady chose to shut the door. I wonder what she was shutting the door to. I wonder if she was shutting the door to the loss of the prophet. I wonder if she was shutting the door to the pain and the, and the demotivation that she was experiencing. I wonder if she was even shutting the doors, doors to the debtors that were knocking at her doors. I wonder what is it that you're going through that you ought to shut the door to. It might be grief. It might be anxiety. It might be betrayal. It might be trouble. It might be it might be fear. I'm not sure what is it that we need to shut the door around us so that God can begin to move within us. She needed to shut the door. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if you're really convinced, but I've got a scripture for you. Matthew chapter 6. Check out what it says. Matthew 6, 6. But when you pray, go into your room. Close the door. Another translation, the New King James says, shut the door and pray to your father who is unseen. See, sometimes when we need to see vision that is seen, we need to go to an unseen place. Sometimes when we need to see with clear eyes, sometimes when we see with clarity, sometimes when we need to see the vision that God has put before us, we need to go into that unseen place. And what begins to happen is this girl goes into the, un then it says, then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And I began to realize that on Wednesday night, I was in an unseen place. My kids weren't around me. Leah had gone to bed. But I was in an unseen place. I was in an unseen place. And I was, as I was in that unseen place, I began to identify with that lady who found herself in the unseen place. I began to identify with Jesus in Matthew chapter 6 who constantly went into unseen places. See, the reason why you cannot see vision is because you have not been in, the, in that unseen place. And the entry point to that unseen place is the ability that we will gather to be able to shut the door behind us to the things in life that hold us back that keep us ostracized to the things that God has for us in front of us for His name and for His glory. If you believe we serve a God who honors us in the unseen places, why don't we give God a clap offering? The unseen, the unseen places. The unseen places. Can I take a moment to talk about the unseen place? Great things are birthed in unseen places. Whenever God's about to do something incredible, it's not always public. A lot of times it's private. 
the birth of Jesus happened in an unseen place. David was raised as a king in an unseen place. Moses was hidden as a child in an unseen place. God majors in the unseen realm. We think vision comes from seeing something. But perhaps vision comes from the unseen place. I just need to see it. No, actually you don't. Maybe we need to stop wanting to see everything and know everything. I think uh, we are known as the information age. And I think the danger of the information age is we know too much and we've seen too much that we think we've seen it all, that we've lost the ability to see into the unseen realm. But the unseen place is a whole different level. The unseen place is where the oil begins to flow. The unseen place is where God begins to rest down His presence. The unseen place is where God begins to birth something. That fasting that we do, that's in the unseen. The praying that you do, that's in the unseen. Your personal time with God, that's in the unseen. It doesn't seem that significant, but let me tell you, great things are birthed in the unseen place. It's the unseen and it's the unknown. That's why Paul said, for when I speak in unknown tongues, I speak not unto man, but I speak unto God. It's the unseen and the unknown. See, vision is birthed in that unseen place. Vision is birthed in that unknown place. When you begin to speak in that unknown language, when you begin to speak in that unknown tongue, when you begin to speak in the language of the Holy Spirit, it's unknown to many. It's not interpreted by few. But at the same time, here's what I'm trying to say, that when you enter that space of the unseen and the unknown, you break into a realm that only God can pour His presence in. That unseen, what I, what my, my focus for today is to birth a hunger within the house for people to go after the unseen and the unknown. I think we live in a day and age where we want to be seen and known. But can we be a people that will do great exploits for the kingdom of God in unseen and unknown spaces where when no one's watching, when no one's seeing, when no one's knowing, God's doing a work deep within you. The unseen and the unknown. The unseen and the unknown. The reason it's called the unseen is because not everyone can see it. And maybe not everyone should see it. But the danger we have and the danger we face is we think unless everyone sees it, it's not happening. But the reason it's called the unseen is because not everyone should see it. This is why the prophet said, get the cups of your neighbor. But he never said to invite the neighborhood. So the miracle may require a neighbor's commitment, but will not require their opinion. I think we've reversed the plot when we are always conscious of our neighbor's opinion, but are not concerned about their commitment. So the reason why things stop flowing, the reason why the oil has stopped flowing, the reason why there's no fuel to the vision, the reason why there's a, there's a, there's a limitation or there's a drop in the oil level is not because God's mean or God's bad or God's this or God's that. It's because so many times we get caught up in, in, in but what is their opinion? 
Like, are you going to the building viewing? Like, I will go if you go. Now, I'm not stamping on anybody's toes here. But you know what I'm saying? Like, sometimes we've become so plugged into vision and into the things of God, into the presence of God, even into prayer when everybody else is doing it. But let me tell you, people that are called to break ground, people that are called to pioneer, people that are called to press in, see what nobody else can see. Step in when nobody else wants to step in. And so I want you to understand, I want you to see the tension of this lady. Because she needed the neighborhood, but she could not involve the neighborhood. She needed to engage the neighborhood, but she could not invite the neighborhood. And and, and so she lives in this tension. Now if this story were to happen today, if the prophet of the Lord went to the lady and said, get all the cups from your neighbor's, you know, she'd jump online, <laughs> not like community page, <laughs> had a prophet come over, and the prophet said ABC. Next, you know, there's one person from Not Lakes Community promoting Tupperware containers. Well, if you're going to get the oil, it's got to be Tupperware. <laughs> you got Sister Susie with the pottery happening now. She's like, I've got the pottery thing, you know. Now they, and then, then someone corners up there saying, I'll take photos of you as you do the oil <laughs> exchange process. You know what I'm saying? We've got community groups where we jump on and put what was said to us in private, what was said to us in the unseen realm. And no wonder so many times we're discouraged because we did not get the response we anticipated, but they never saw what you saw. They never heard what you heard. And perhaps your assignment was just to engage them. It wasn't necessarily to involve them. We would have, we would have cup collection days. We would have, uh, we would have social distancing, uh, non-touching Uber cup collection days. If, if this miracle were to happen today, we would call the chairman of the cup committee. And they would vote if it's a, if it's the right thing in a, in, a, in a COVID environment, in a COVID safe zone to be handing out cups. We, the, the cups would get together and they would vote if they're being abused and overused. The cups would write up a blog about being overused. I, I'm, I'm, I'm an oil, I'm not an oil one, I'm a wine cup. I'm, I'm a coffee cup, you know what I'm saying? I'm a lactose-free coffee cup. I'm on the soft side. I'm on almond milk and azamel. No, 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 dairy, stay free, free from me. You know, the cups have opinions now. That's what would happen. I know I'm exaggerating the story. But the reality is when God speaks, I, t- I think sometimes we involve all these things that shouldn't be involved. So many times we deplete the vision because we're more focused on the approval ratings of the neighborhood. You know, yesterday on my way to the building viewing, I I took a different way. The reason I took a different way was because I got really excited. I got really excited about coming to see the building. I've been there like seven times or whatever in the last three days. But I got so excited about you all coming that I drove all the way to Chermside. And so I got the scenic route, and, and then I'm coming this way, I'm coming the other way, but it was the best thing because all of a sudden I began to see who the neighbors were. And as I was driving down through that road, 
I began to pray and I began to declare and I began to prophesy that God, each of these homes, each of these homes, I know we're going to be anointing every home or those of us that have signed up for anointing our house. Now, please do if you are, if you haven't. But I said, Lord, we're declaring these houses for you. We're declaring each of these persons will hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, will hear the good news of God, will hear the great things that God has done. Now, imagine for a moment if I stopped the car and if I said, I'll go if they come. Imagine if I said, God, if, if you really want me to get this building, if your plans are in this building, right now, miraculously, all the neighbors will come. Now, that's not the point. You're getting what I'm saying. They will come, but the miracle is not based on when they come. The miracle is based on our ability to empty ourselves. See, so many times we think God is moving based on the outcome or the reactions or the engagement of the neighbors. But that's not what the prophet said. He said, you go and pour it out. You go and pour it out. Because let me tell you, at the end of the story, it was not just she that was blessed. It was all her neighbors that were blessed. And so sometimes we reverse the plot. And so many times we kill the flow because we want the cups to turn up before we're ready to pour. I'll pour myself out if the cups turn up. I'll pour what's on my life if they show up. If this person's there, then I will be there. But friend, let me tell you, breakthrough begins in small spaces. Breakthrough begins in the unseen realm. Breakthrough begins in an unknown place. Breakthrough begins in lounge rooms and in bedrooms and in different spaces. Great things are born in the break. Let me tell you, the last time God did something great, it wasn't in a palace, it was in a manger because great things are birthed in small, unusual, awkward, unknown spaces. That's where great things are birthed. That's where great things are birthed. So I want to encourage you this morning. But we forget one small detail. Why don't we put up verse 3? There's one small detail that sometimes we overlook. This is what Elijah, Elisha said to her. He said, go borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors. Empty vessels, empty cups. Do not gather just a few. God requires only one criteria for us to be filled. He didn't say get singing cups, get barista cups, get china cups. You know what I'm saying? Get Coca-Cola cups. Get, get the gifted cups. Get the cup that when you hold it on the top, it starts singing. No criterias. Just get empty cups. There's only one criteria God needs for him to flow in a place. Empty people. Now all of a sudden, the fact that you feel so empty is not a bad thing. Empty, empty. You know, talking about vision in the past, I would always struggle this. And this, I believe, I'm gonna, I'm gonna set some people free this morning. This set me, this set me free. Uh, when you're leading a church, when you're leading a staff, and you're leading a department, you take it on yourself to fill people. You getting what I'm saying? You take it on yourself to fill people. I've been in numerous meetings where I can look at people's faces and I'm not sure if they're f getting filled. Even right now, as I'm looking at you this morning, I'm not sure if you're getting filled. That's the honest truth. In the past, I would be like, come on, church, respond. Come on, church, this is not the, you know. God's, God set me free from that. 
God set, God set me free from that. I'll be in meetings and even in this building, people are like, oh, pastor, can you share more? Like, which guest speakers are you going to have? Because you know why? They want me to say it so that I can fill them. Are we getting a Merc or an Audi for the guest speaker? Why? Because you want to be filled, right? So before I would dance to the tune of everybody, oh yeah, we'll get this. And I've had people come to me, we love your church, but, oh, okay, so next week we've got to do that. You know what? One day God said to me, He said, Alwyn, stop filling people. You're like, what? God said, stop filling people. I said, what do you mean? He said, I don't fill people. I don't fill people. Some of you are like, that is so wrong theologically. Because Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger, for you will be filled. That's not what it really fully means. That's what he said. But he said, blessed are those who hunger. What is hunger? It's being empty. So God said to me, stop filling people and just start emptying yourself. Go into your room and pour. Just empty. Just empty. And then another cup will come and just empty. And then another cup will come and just... Now, if the cup is cracked, it's not my problem. If the cup is going to write a blog, it's not my problem. My role is not to fill you. My role is to empty myself. See, because if Jesus filled everybody, then the Pharisees will be filled. Then the Sadducees will be filled. Then the centurions would be filled. But it's only if you're empty that you can be filled. So now, it doesn't matter who is there, who's not there, whose approval ratings I have, whose likes I have, who's unfollowed me, who's not followed me, who likes me, who doesn't like that photo. It does not matter because my, my role, friend, and your role, friend, and this is the danger we live in church because we think we need to fill everybody's life by what we post. But can I say, can we not be fillers? But can we become emptiers? Because when we empty ourselves, we have a guarantee from heaven that He will fill us. See, now I'm not focused on you being filled. Now I'm focused on me emptying. Because the more I empty myself, it becomes an act of worship. And heaven applauds. And heaven cheers. And heaven comes beside me. And heaven sees my faithfulness. There ain't no Bacardi in here. There ain't no white wine in here. There ain't no Corona in here. There ain't no old whiskey in here. But that which I have, silver and gold I have none. But that which I have, I give. Empty myself. I give of what I am. I give, we give of who we are. And when we do so, God brings the increase.